This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On Saturday, Christy Dignam was laid to rest. He was 63. He had fought cancer bravely for a long time. He was somebody, as everyone has noted, who was very special. He was from Finglas. He was buried in Finglas, and the people of Finglas turned out to salute him. Two years after we started the stand, in April 2018, I interviewed Christy. It was something I always wanted to do. I loved his music and respected him as a person. He was, when I met him, everything I'd hoped and more. I would first of all, on behalf of all of us at the stand, like to express our deepest condolences to Christie's family and his friends. And I would like now to play for you the podcast, which gives a sense of this great man as a man and his love for his city and most of all, his music. Sometimes God sends us somebody very special, somebody who will make us believe in the good things in life, somebody who will inspire us. Christy was one of those very rare people. In that sense, he will never die. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, my guest this morning is a very special person indeed. He's known to be a great musician. He's also known for his courage and for the struggles he's had, along with the wonderful music he's produced. His name is Christy Dignam and the band is Aslan. He's a Northsider from Finglas. Christy, I'm very, very honoured that you're doing this. I've been a big fan for a long time. Not so much of the music, the music and of you. So I'm a Northsider. Does that mean I can ask you anything? You can ask me anything, yeah. Okay. Well, the first thing I want to ask you is, um, where did the music come from? Um, I noted you were born the year I went to Manchester United, 1960. That's Two right, months yeah. after you were born, I was off to United, I was 15. But where did the music 
come from? Uh, I think probably my dad. My dad worked in CIA. Um, and he, he kind of worked six days a week but Sunday he was off and he used to make the dinner every Sunday so he used to play John McCormick records yes. and uh, Crusoe records in the house he was a big fan of all that kind of Geely and Richard Taub or all those singers so I kind of my Sundays were just and he, like he'd play them for half and then he'd sing for the other half of the dinner kind of thing yeah. so that was it so it just I think it just gets into your soul then you know and about rock music, I mean, right. were, you, were you the Stones or the Beatles? Stones. You were. Well, I was yeah. the Beatles, so that's how just Well, I, um, now that I'm kind of more educated, for want of a better word, I can see the Beatles are far superior than the Stones. But, you know, back then, it was the edge. I was always on the edge, do you know yes. what I mean? So we always liked that, and it was a bit edgy. But uh, just my musical thing was, I remember seeing Gilbert O'Sullivan, on uh, the yeah. late late show doing I'm just like a cat on a hot yeah. tin roof and you know that blew me away so and the fact that he was Irish you know and I remember thinking just he's breathing air and I'm breathing the same air yeah. in the same country and that just little things like that but how how I decided to, be, to get in the band was a friend said to me one day I was a big Slade fan and uh, he says you know Slade are from a place like Finglas in England yeah. in Birmingham you know and that blew me away because up to that moment I was probably only six or seven at the time but up to that moment I thought you were born I thought Mick Jagger was born a rock star yes. and David Bowie were born rock stars I never realised you could become one yeah. and then uh, that concept just occurred to me when he said that they're from a place like Finglas and I thought well if they can then I can do that you know yeah. and from that moment on believe it or not I was looking at songs that's how we ended up doing Angie on the, the Made in Dublin album because I was looking at songs all that time saying when I'm a singer I'm going to sing that song yes. you know kind of thing so uh, and how um, I mean you came after you two where yeah. was Bono in your lexicon if anywhere well you see back then I thought he was an asshole you know yeah. because I'll tell you why you had Some a thing called Mother. Think he is. I, I read know, his yeah. letter. I read his letter to Leo Radker groveling. Well, groveling we, we, we've kind of kissed and made up because we had kind of okay. runs over the years. Now, when 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 we were starting, I've had a thing called Mother Records. I don't. Yeah, know I, I do know them. Sure, I wrote. I wrote the book. Right. Oh the yeah. Book. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well. The remit was that they were there to help young Irish bands who were at the being shaft and fucked around by other record companies English record companies and to give them a leg up and all that so we'd gone through all that so I thought we are exactly the epitome of what Mother yes. Records stand for so we had to meet him in, um, in the, the, the the dockers yeah. you know and so we had to meet him at 12 o'clock so the band we were all we were used to rehearsing in pigs to up the airport the band are all in there so myself and Joe flew into the dockers at 12 o'clock to meet him we're sitting there one o'clock, he's not there. Or ringing his office, he'll be there in a minute, half one, two o'clock. I'm fucking fuming by this yeah. stage. So he walks in there. He's just want a sausage sandwich, lads. He's going to batter him with a yeah. sausage sandwich. Anyway, <laughs> so we played him This Is, the song This Is, which yes. was our first, turned out to be our first single, right? So we played it for him, and he kind of gave this kind of spiel, you know. So I was all buzzing, and we left the lockers, and, you know, Joe says to me, well, what we tell the band? And I thought, He's had to bullshit us there yeah. for the last hour. He's had to tell us to piss off. Yeah. 
but we kind of walked out thinking he was at the giving yeah. us something, you know. Yeah. And it, I've kind of noticed there about, and in fairness to Bono, I love his music and all that now, but he's a great aptitude for talking and saying nothing. Yes. You yeah. know, and yeah. that's what happened that day. He just talked and talked, got us buzzing, but actually said nothing, you know. So I thought, you know, so then that kind of put me to that that's just my answer to Bonnet. now when I got sick he came up to the house and that and you know he, we kind of had a big hug and all that yes so you know I thought that was nice of him ah, to yeah. do that. I mean, so that he does have a heart and I think he gets a lot of stick over here you know yeah. because he, he, try, he does a lot of kind of Bob Geldof-y type stuff he and does, gets yeah. nothing but grief for I it. saw Geldof last week on the Late Late Show and funnily enough yeah. um, I, well I, I, half of me was thinking well done, Bob. And the other half is thinking, will you fuck off? I'm the same with Bob Geldof. Right? And I'm the same with Bono, because I, sometimes I know him quite well, and um, sometimes I think fair play to him, but then I think, Jesus, what are you doing kissing all this ass? Like George Bush, Tony Blair. Yeah, you see, I don't agree with all that, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to get a yeah. Bono headline. That yeah. wasn't the purpose of yeah. it. But you came after them yeah. into the into the scene. The yeah. Crazy World yeah. uh, It's a wonderful song that I know. I don't know a lot about your music, but it's a wonderful right. song. Was that... Yeah. Tell me about that. Someone that I really respect, B.P. Fallon, who I love, yeah. And he said to me, "This, that's a real great song. Right, it's funny because when we did that song, the, I'll t just tell you what the song was for us, where it came from. I was strung out at the time, and um, we were at the being, as I'm at the being split up, uh, you know, always thrown out because of the yeah. heroin and all that. And we were kind of getting back together again. But my daughter was born, and uh, my wife says to me one day, you know, she, you know when they returned to get the baby and they put them in the little crib beside the bed kind of thing. And she says, look, you have a daughter now. She says, you want to snap out the budget on your responsibilities. And I remember looking at her and thinking, how am I going to protect her in this world? I can't even make fucking sense of it myself, you yes. know? Yes. So that's kind of where the, the seed of it, and it was th that's kind of where it came from. But funnily enough, with that song, right, I didn't like the song when we wrote it first. To me, it was just a filler type song, you know, that mm -hmm. you just kind of trot out there. And we had three singles on an album. It was off an album called Good Boy Charlie Moonhead. And there were three songs on it, right? And what you want to do when you're releasing your records is you want to release your worst single first, that'll yeah. go top 20 or top 30. Second best single next, that'll go top 10. Then your best single. So Bang. it looks like you're climbing, you know, yeah. as opposed to the other thing. So we, we, we looked at the three songs we had and Crazy World was the worst of the three of them. So I said, we'll throw out Crazy World for us, get people's attention with that, you know, and then we'll hit them with Rain Man and Where's the Sun. So Crazy World, massive hit and all that. So I thought, man, wait until you hear Rain Man. They're going <laughs> to just piss themselves yeah. when they hear this. We were this Rain Man, and I was told about three copies, you know. Uh, it's just, so you just never know, do you know what I mean? Now, it's yeah. Crazy World has then grown on me over the years, and it's obviously, it's kind of paid the mortgage and all that. But, you know, it's weird with songs. You just never know what's going to capture. I think we have far superior songs to that. But you see, I'd be thinking from a technical perspective yes. sometimes, as opposed to a, an emotional perspective. So it's hard, and I mean that's the torment, is it, of the business? Yeah. You're in the studio. You could be in there. I, I mean, I did uh, the YouTube book. Yeah. And I spent two years with them yeah. when they were doing the Joshua Tree. Right. Um, up right. in Raffarnham in. Uh, you know, uh, 
one of the houses. Brian Eno and Danny Lamar were the two guys. Yeah. Danny Lamar was a lucky guy. Brian yeah. Eno was a total asshole. There's a lot of really unpleasant people oh, in the music yeah. business, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But see, we're saying there about songs, right? Here's something about songs. We had a song called Love Me Lately years ago. It was one of our singles. It was our second single after This Is, right? And we released it in England. And we were at the release in here. It was a big hit here, right? So we released it in England. And we couldn't get it airplayed on the BBC, right? So we got pluggers in. At that time, you got these Yeah, pluggers. I know that, yeah, yeah. The record So pluggers, we got yeah. these pluggers. And usually get the pluggers in. But we couldn't get the, the thing played, you know? And it was a good song. And we could, just couldn't understand it, right? Anyway. The plugger came back to us then after, you know, after throwing loads of money at him and we were saying, like, we're well, not getting results. Anyway, if a song is within a certain beats per minute, right? Yeah. If it's beyond a certain beats per minute and you're not consciously listening to radio. So if you're hoovered in your house and the radio's on in the background and if it's beyond this, you tend to change the station yeah. if you're not consciously right. listening to that song, right? Yeah. This song fell into that category, right? Right. So BBC don't play songs within that category in case people turn off the BBC. So I was thinking after, you're sweating in your bedroom writing a song. Yeah. You're not thinking of someone and Hoover no. and I got in Suffolk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. this is why you're not getting played. So, yeah. so there's all those things that it's just, it, got, it turns into bullshit mode. So you end, you end, you tend to just go with your instinct. After Tell that, me you know? about the, I mean, clearly when you had, you know, Phil in it. Yeah. You had uh, Geldof. You had you two. Yeah. And they're all gone before you. And that was your obviously your dream. Yeah. And when did the dream begin? To so look? Well, yeah. I mean, when did you think this is bullshit? I'll tell you when. Yeah. Right. We're over in London, and we're actually been walking. For, like, at the time, right? The thing was to sign a deal you know yeah I know you that record deal, deal. Yeah. yeah you have to sign yeah. a deal now nobody knew what signing a deal and company you know, what, what, what that meant or that but this is what this was the dream you know so I remember sitting in Manchester Square in London in EMI's offices and we were popping the champagne corks and just thinking so this is it do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just meant nothing to us, you know. It meant nothing to me, anyway. And um, would signing a deal, for example, Christy, be? I mean, if they give you plenty of books, yeah, they'll promote it, yeah, they'll market it, they really get behind it, oh, and you won't have to worry about pluggers because they'll be bought as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that end of it is taken care of. But yeah. on the flip side of that, then Billy at the time had had white, had a blonde kind of. Uh, Billy Idol haircut yeah. and I had black hair and you were kind of trying to mark it was like I remember it, was, it reminded me of black and white scotch whiskey yeah and that's the way you were kind of trying to push the band and you know to get you to do things and you're, you're going against your grain all the time yeah. you know and it, 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 it erodes you as a person you know how old were you when that erosion began About when 25 that, I suppose right and, and, and that's when I started on the gear you know yeah well that's what I was going to come to I just two things I mean I looked at your Wikipedia page just to, to just get a sense yeah. an outline so when I when I looked at your Wikipedia page Christy I mean the first thing that jumps out is uh, sex sexual abuse when you were very young yeah. uh, six seven yeah. uh, and somebody was abusing you a neighbor uh you went to your best friend's brother looking for you know a help and yeah. he abused you yeah now this is a terrifying um even to someone you know at this stage in the game 
It's a terrifying scenario. Um, how terrifying was it? How long did it go on for? Right. It went on, right, first of all, just on the terrifying thing. You see, the thing that messes, messed me up was that it wasn't terrifying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I felt at the time, Eamon, that there was all these kids on the road, right? I'm in, I'm in a family of eight kids. I'm on a street with hundreds of kids, and he picked me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there was a, there was a certain kind of feeling of kind of uh, that you were the chosen one almost. Yes. You know. So years later, as is there a, as a feeling that did you was there something you d you did that may have invited it almost? Absolutely. That's the guilt. Thing. That's what I think. Now you yeah. see, that's the thing, and because. Because as an adult, looking back and I wasn't disgusted by it, you start thinking, right, what's, what's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. What sort of a kind of, do you think? And then because it happened to two different, with two different people, yeah. I thought I had some hand in it, you know, there was yes. a prick teaser or yes. something like that, you yeah. know? And yeah, yeah. I was leading these on and so there's all that thing. And I remember years later, you know, like I'm with my wife since I was 14 now, but I remember the first time having sex with my wife and just thinking, look, yeah, we're a woman, you know, you're not yes. queer, you're not. You're yes. not messed up and all. So you can imagine, like, I wasn't enjoying sex. I wasn't kind of just being in the moment. That's all I was no. thinking. Look, you're not twisted. You're not a, you're not a pervert. So this yeah. is like a nuclear bomb in, inside you. It just wrecks your life. It totally, every aspect of your life, I mean, it totally destroys, right? Yeah. Now, it, it gave me this thing, right? You know when you're hungry, when you're starving, and you have that gnawing em emptiness inside you? Yes. Well, I had that. From from then, I remember it. I remember it developing when I was about six years of age. When this was going on, this kind of thing developing in my stomach, right? So I'm going on through my life, and I had that, and I just kind of I got to a point where I was just living with it. Do you know yes. what I mean? It was just part of me, you know. Yes. And when I took heroin the first day, yes. the it was gone. Right. And now I didn't feel high and stoned. I felt now I know how Eamon Dumpy wakes yes. up in the morning. I yeah. know how Andrew wakes up in the morning. Do yes. you know what I mean? I do know. What that's mean. that's. I, I just felt normal. Now I'm normal. Now and now I could like I could do things. You know, like we were we were number one in Ireland. The album's number one in Ireland. We're selling shitloads of records. Every gig we go to was sold out. I couldn't walk into my local shop and buy twenty smokes because I hadn't got the confidence to do that. Is yeah. that you know messed yeah. up? So. That it just wrecks you. It so wrecks the, every aspect it, of your that life. That was the, the gateway to the heroin. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. And the... Did you... You know, there was a lot of drugs that spliffs around yeah. in music scene. It wasn't just a music scene. You yeah. get it in the pub. Yeah. Uh, well, I tried hash. You know what I mean? Yeah. And hash was... Yeah. Tried coke. Yeah. Tried yeah. drink. Yeah. But heroin brought me home. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I saw you That's talking about it, you know? actually, on the Brandon O'Connor show yeah. uh, last week. And the, the the description you gave of the effect of it was very very vivid, and yeah. very easy to understand. Right. Uh, I, well, anything that's broken, you know, if that's a fix, that's the word fix. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's it, related yeah. to something broken inside. I never inside. thought of that. That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, and then, how insidious is it? I mean, how does it, how does the scale of it? Okay, you take it. Yeah, right. Tell me the first time you take you took right. it. Right. The first, see, that only, I wasn't banging it the first time. I'd have been smoking it, you know. Right. Okay. So you kind of go on then, and you know, I remember one day I was actually in a gaff, and uh, 
we'd no foil to smoke it off. Right. And this bloke had needles, you know. And I, I never, I would never, I always thought, no, I'm not as bad as these other drug addicts because I'm not using the needle, you yeah. know. I'm not on the needle. And it almost, it almost gives you permission to carry on on your road to destruction sure. because you're not using the needle you know yeah. you think you're kind of superior to these other addicts and I, it, by the end of it I surpassed every addict I ever looked down on yeah. but anyway I was in the gaff this day and with no foil and he had brand new diabetic works at the time and I said hey give us one I'll try it and I remember giving out to your man for not telling me years ago how nice it was with a needle do you know right. what I mean because I thought because you know it's just so instant and all that but you know, it's kind of... At that stage, were you in the band? Yeah. And how... You see, I mean, well, you're going along, right? And you have this... You're in the band, you know, and you're just your own man. You're going up to... We are rehearsing, as I say, up in this pigsty, writing songs, going into the Bag It In or McGonagall's, whatever was open at yeah. that time, doing your gigs and everybody, and everything was buzzing here. But then when we went to England when we signed the deal it kind of all changed and the band was taking off us you know yes. we were told what to wear you know what we could say in interviews you couldn't say this and you couldn't say that and, and it just the whole thing wasn't yours anymore so I was very uncomfortable with that you know but the thing about heroin is no matter what you're doing in your life it's like a, 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 an anaesthetic if you're doing going against the grain, when you take the heroin, you just don't give a shit. Yes. You'll deal with that. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you kind of you'll go with the flow and things like that, you know. And so that's I was taking heroin. The whole thing was a lot easier. So there was there was there was let's say the the, the, the you know had I not had all the sexual abuse that had happened earlier on, when I took the heroin and I started becoming dangerous, I just stopped. Yeah. Right, but because of the sexual abuse and and the, the kind of insecurity and the vulnerabilities that that created within me as a person, I was addicted. Yeah. I had an there was a store of hurt in you. Yeah, and and because it gave me more than it gave everybody else. Yeah. Like we went to America, right? And when we got there, we got to the first, uh, we got to New York, and there was a, a bloke from Capitol Records was looking after us just in New York, right? Yeah. So he bought us two grams of Coke and a bottle of champagne to, 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 to welcome us to the States, right? Yeah. So then we went to Boston and another guy from Capital looks after you in Boston, right? So he says, how did Eamon look after you in New York? Yeah. I said, mad bastard, brought us yeah. two grams of Coke and a bottle of champagne. Yeah. So he came in with four grams of Coke and two bottles of champagne. Right. So we sussed this immediately. <laughs> so by the time we got to Los Angeles, we're getting potato bags full of coke and trade <laughs> cases of champagne you know yeah so we come back from from america then and the band which is that was a mad trip let's all get back to work yeah. and they could do that i couldn't you right. know i couldn't stop i had i just had to keep going hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, so that's the and difference. at what stage... Um, did you realise that you weren't going to be David Bowie, U2, or The Stones? Um, um, I, 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 I want to yeah, yeah, if, I, ask you about that because I knew at a certain stage that I wasn't going to be Dennis Law. Yeah. Uh, although when I was a kid, they used to, because I looked like Dennis Law, I'd say the new Dennis Law. But yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be Dennis Law about 18, 19. I, I knew that always, Eamon. I always knew I wasn't going to be David Bowie, but I knew I was going to be better than 90% of the shit yes. that was out there, and right. that's all that mattered to me, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I didn't want to be David Bowie, no. or, or kind of, I mean, I wouldn't have minded, there's money and all that, yeah. of course, but, you know, that didn't really, I used to look at, even now, you know, I'd look at, you know, you two, you know, and all the bullshit that goes with that scale of yes. of fame you know now I'm in a band right and I make music that I like making I play you know we play all over the world I have a nice living I live in a nice so I'm kind of happy with that and I can still live yes. a fairly normal life do you yes. know what I mean I wouldn't be able for the bullshit like I remember we played a gig a, a couple of a couple of years ago on Greystones and your man McFadden turned up our uh, Brian McFadden Brian McFadden our yeah. Westlife yeah. and he turned up at the gig so we're playing the gig and within minutes there's this gang around him and then somebody threw a pointed water a pointed drink at him you know and yeah. he ends up getting uh, yeah. you know taken out of the place I couldn't handle that shit you know no. living like that you know and he wanted it I mean they loved it yeah I mean, and yeah. so you. But sometimes I resent that, I mean. yeah. I look at I look at the like of Ronan Keaton, you know, or somebody yeah. like that, or Nicky Nicky Bourne, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, ninety percent of that band, those two bands, ninety nine percent of them, and you think they're totally talentless, really, you know. In fairness, yeah. you have to admit at this stage, if yeah. they're adults, still admit it. Yeah. Like, they must wake up in the morning and just say, "Holy shit, man! How did I do that? <laughs> How did I scam that one?" You know. Which brings me 
So Louis Walsh. Oh, yeah. have, you, have you met Louis? Oh, I've met Louis a lot. Yeah, times, I know yeah. Louis very. I know really? Louis very. Well. I like him. See I like him, but yeah. Yeah. with bands like I that. I admire that. I admire that. I admire, covers. His, I admire the skill. Yeah. I mean, when you look the at what he twins had, now are hard to forgive. I know. Yeah, but <laughs> when you look at what he had, talent-wise, and what he achieved, I yeah. mean, it's phenomenal. And I, I respect that. I've no, I've no problem with that. But I remember when somebody asked us, asked me what I thought of Westlife in an interview, and I said, "Look, I said to me, it's like apples and oranges." I says. You know, we're in a different business, really. You yes. know, it's just they're, they're yeah. complete. Uh, and I said, that's why I said it. it's like apples and oranges. Yes. And that's all he said. And I didn't mean in a derogatory no. way. I just said that we're in different. Louis, next day in the paper, Christy Dignam, twisted, failed fucking yeah. rock star. And yeah. I thought, ah, oh, Louis, chill the fuck out, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that side of him, he can be very bitchy about that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, no, I but, mean, I like him. I'm going to say I like him. Yeah, I, I kind of. I respect what he's. I, doing. I know what he's at. He's a showman. Yeah, uh, he's a Barnum. You know. Yeah, he is. Yeah, mm. and uh, I, I have no problem with that. You know. Now let's, to, let's be honest about what we are. You know. To go back to Aslan and you, at a certain point, the band split. You yeah. were gone. Yeah. Um, before well, in oh, the man, points right, leading man. up to that, how yeah. old were you then? Right. So that would have been. Let me think. Just give me a second. So again, I'd have been, we were only about a year signed at that time. So I'd have been twenty-seven, right? So and you were well into the heroin at that yeah, stage. Well, what happened was I was getting into it, you know, and I started to. So I, I, I'd be the one. I'd be the one I'd get the demos and I'd be standing outside RTA waiting for Dave Fanning to go in handing them tapes listen Dave have a listen to this yeah. and Ian Dempsey and yeah. Mark Cagney all these people are DJs then that Jerry yeah. Ryan fella as well yeah. so we're doing all this you know and then I was saying ah, Billy, you go in and do that you know and I, I, you know, I'd be off scoring gear you know Yeah. now when you're going off you've got your priority so you know I've got three things to do I've an interview with Eamon Dunphy I have a recording session out of a practice session and I've got my gear to get. Number one is the gear. Get the gear first. When I get the yeah. gear, then I can do everything else. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Now, that was grand, but sometimes the gear wasn't available. So you're waiting around some corner or some flat somewhere for hours and hours. So the band would be waiting in Lytton Lane or whatever we were rehearsing yeah. at the time, saying, where's Christy? You know? So this was going on. I wasn't writing as much. You know, I wasn't put, putting the input in that I used to. You know, so. How long would the fix last? Uh, well, you see, it starts off. And I know it's the, just tell me the cycle. The cycle of it starts off. You get it right. because, well, like every drug, you need more. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's not like coke, right? You see, remember I said the thing on, on, on that yoke you're talking about about the coke thing with your equilibrium and all. Yes. That. See, coke has an immediate effect, right? Bang. And then has an immediate withdrawal as yeah. well. And then you, you, after when the coke's wore paranoia. off, yeah. But when the coke's wore off, you've got all that paranoia and you've got the downer off it. So now you just want to get back to normal. Just get me back to fucking normal, you know. Yeah. With heroin, it has a slower release, you know. Right. So it hits you 
and it just uh, you just don't give a shit about nothing nothing matters absolutely yeah. nothing you could be sitting with your feet on fire i swear to god yeah. and you just wouldn't give a fuck yeah. honest to god yeah. so so you've got that so that's going well, on the core ingredient is opium isn't it yeah that's that's Which it is but the one that i mean they used to smoke it yeah. in china yeah. see it's not you see it's all the shit they're putting into it that does a lot of the damage yeah, i know that know. the same with the coke yeah and same with the coke yeah. but you see heroin comes from morphine yes which is morpheus is the goddess sleep right so if you think if that's what heroin does it puts you to sleep almost yeah you know so you're you're, you're, you're conscious but you're asleep okay sense. yeah now the the guys put you out of the band yeah so so that that was one of my worst moments in my life so we're, we're recording for the second album and we're in a place called um rope walk over in irish town and rings end so I'm going over with Alan to the studio. We're doing, we had a recording session. So I walked into the studio and none of the band are there. And I said to Alan, I said, where's the, I said, I said, am I in the wrong day or something? Because by that time, because I'd been messing around and that, yeah. you know, I, I thought maybe I got the wrong date or something. He says, no, they should be here, you know. So then the, I rang the office, we did an office in Bachelor's Walk, and I rang the manager, Danny Kenny. I said, listen, um, do, you know, do you know where the band are? He says, yeah, they're over here in the office. Uh, listen, you have to come over to the office, you're sacked. I says, what? Yeah. He says, you're sacked. I says, fuck up. He says, you're sacked. I says, put one of the band on. Don't want to talk to you. You know, I looked around and said, what the fuck's going on? And I don't know. He, said, he didn't know anything about it at the time. So at the time, we, we kind of had a democracy in the band. Yeah. That if, if three it never works. No, it doesn't. I fucking <laughs> learned that because, But uh, if three people made a decision, that was it. So that, and that's what happened. Three, the other three made a decision. So I remember, like, you know, I remember driving down Pear Street that day on the way home. Now, you have to think of him, right? My wife's a hairdresser, right? I'd been telling her for years, listen, you know, the band is going to pay eventually. She was supporting me, you know? Look, you go out there and work a little arse off. I'm kind of living the dream, you know? But eventually, you know, you're going to be able to retire. So then we get signed and all. I said to her, look, you can ease your foot off the pedal. Now I'm taking over, right? So then I used to go home to her. Yeah. and tell her listen love get back to work right yeah. also I'm a heroin addict she didn't know anything about it do you know what I mean really? she didn't absolutely not no. but, and how long did you keep that secret for were you able to keep it secret about a year I suppose really yeah wow. Yeah. so so now you've got a, you're sacked yeah. you've yeah. no job I'm sacked I haven't got a pot to piss in. Like, when the band signs, they all got new guitars, new drum kits, new amps. I got fuck all. Do you yeah. know, a pack of zoops. Yeah. I've got nothing. <laughs> so I'm going home with nothing, do you know? I couldn't even take a guitar and amp home with me, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. So I'm driving home saying, what the what am I going to tell me, boy? She's going to go yeah. bleeding mad. Yeah. And then I used to tell her, I'm out with the band, why are you around? Because I'm a heroin addict and he fucked me out, you know? That was the shit, you know? That was heavy. So I'm straight That's before you had your daughter or children. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm straight into the... No, uh, my daughter was born, sorry, by that stage. Yeah. But I'm straight into the Rutland then. Dan Baker got me into the Rutland. Right, now, um, cold turkey. It's yeah. not cold turkey, is it? They. Can I ask you about that process? Yeah, I can, Cause, yeah. uh, because I'm told it's... It's, it's horrible, it's, yeah. It's horrible. Uh, well, you see, you, you know, you have your endorphin glands in your body, right? So every time you stub your toes or you want to yeah. have a crap or you are tired, your endorphin glands kick yep. in and sort out the, 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 the unpleasantness of whatever state sure. you're in, right? Yeah. So when you're on heroin, 
every day you're telling your endorphin don't need you have our own source don't need you have our own source right. so eventually your endorphin gland closes down Really? So now you stop taking heroin, your endorphin gland is gone. So every little, you want to have a crap, it's like somebody yeah. kicking the stomach out of you. Because yeah. all those poisons that you don't normally feel that your endorphin yes. glands, your endorphin, your endorphins yes. usually deal with, aren't being dealt with, you know. So you're, you're cramped up to bits, right. you know, you can't sleep, your heart is pissing, you're yeah. paranoid. It's a horrible, horrible state of affairs. And how long does it last? And and how long does it take for the endorphins to open? Now, I if they do I, open, we're just again. talking to Martin on the way in. I remember not sleeping for two months, not sleeping one wink for two months, right? And I was walking around like a bleeding zombie. I was coming off heroin at the time, and you just don't sleep because again, it's, it's called to sleep, so it's you're yes. forcing yourself to sleep. So your, your natural sleep kind of thing yeah, and yeah. so you can't sleep you haven't slept I haven't slept for months or you're in pain you're, you're, uh, now another thing you hear a song on the radio and because you've been blocking out all these emotions with heroin you hear something on the you hear you know I did it my way <laughs> you just start <laughs> pit, bawling yeah. your eyes out because yeah. you hear some crappy thing on the tele on the radio yes, you know yes, yes. so you, you, you taste you eat you, you go to eat a bit of food and you know when you eat really sour something and your, your mouth goes all over the place yeah. and your mouth is watered and all yes. everything you eat is like that because because everything is dulled down on the heroin sure so all those feelings are coming back with a vengeance do you know what I mean and can they be can the endorphins be restored oh, they are restored eventually they yeah, are but it takes months and months for that to happen you know and did you get so you have to sustain yeah. you have to you're going through agony aiming right yes you're going through all of yes. that and you know there's a little bag of heroin there. Yes. It'll end all this shit, yes. like, in a heartbeat, you know. So you're thinking, right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just take this now. Yeah. And tomorrow I'll be a bit stronger to deal with. Yeah. You know, I'll and I'll that. deal with tomorrow. So that's yeah. the addiction. That's it. And, and when you went to the Rutland... Yeah. Did you do it in one? No. Not at all, no. Oh. I, was, I was out. The first day out of Rutland, I was back using again. Yeah. So that went on, and I was kind of stopping. When you were in the Rutland... Did you stay off it? Oh, I was in, for the six weeks I was in Rutland, I stayed off and, it, yeah. And, but you were still a junkie? Absolutely, in my head. Yeah. And in my head, I still, because I was just biding my time to get out of there, do you yeah. know what I mean? I was only doing this to keep everybody, to pacify all the... Right. You know, now, when you came out after six weeks, you yeah. were on it again? Yeah, first day. And the band thing is gone? The band is gone by that stage. See, so I, I felt like then, you know, I, I didn't give a shit anymore because the band was gone, you know, and the only thing I had... How old are you now at this stage? Well, I was 27, you know, so... Yeah. So, so I'd kind of then, I kind of in and out of heroin for years after that. Yes. For a few years, yes. maybe six or seven years after that. So then I went over to... Um, I heard of this place called Tamprabok in Thailand. Yeah. Right, and it's a Buddhist monastery. And you go over and you're locked into this locked down compound and it's run by m monks, Buddhist monks. They take all your money off you, take your clothes off you and your passport. They give you these pink kind of uniform things that you wear, like a sarong and a little yeah. jacket. And uh, they give you this monopoly money that's only valid. It's only within the compound. Within the compound. Yeah. So you, it's all you can buy is pineapples and cigarettes anyway. Mm. So... And uh, so you're in there. So the the, 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 the abbot of the of the monastery developed this drink, and it's made of these barks and uh, different barks and herbs and all the spices. So it's only a little cup of this stuff. So 
every day you kneel along a gully like a gutter right there are probably yeah. 20 different addicts now i didn't know they're all like austrians and yes. germans and, and then toy people anyway there's all these kids come from thailand schools come to watch what's going what, you, what happens okay. if you ever end up on drugs so right. we're the examples right yes. so we're all kneeling there's all these monks behind us playing drums right we're drinking this joke right yeah. there's a bucket of water beside every client every patient so you drink this yolk, then you drink loads of water and two minutes say hey, you're vomiting violently mm. and all these kids are taking photographs jig, 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 jig. yeah well you're vomiting into and while i was there there was a, there was a, a, a documentary crew from channel 4 making a documentary about the place wow. and i'm trying to bleed and hide my face you know yeah you know anyway that was probably the best thing i ever did really yeah because it was how lonely did you feel christy you're lonely all the time in that in that in those years you're lonely all the time because you can't you can't be honest with anybody do you know yeah, what i mean i do yeah. if you're honest with a fellow addict they'll rip you you know yeah. you can't be honest with anybody who's not an addict because they don't want you to be an addict yeah, so you sure. have to be lying to them so you're lying to everybody and it's very lonely did you lose the music Absolutely, altogether yeah. lost everything you yeah. couldn't no. think of a song you might write or a no there were times how long did that last that period in your life well you see i was still writing songs aiming right yeah but i think i'd have wrote better songs had i not been yes strung out of know? course yeah and of course you were on your own as well i've this mate mikey o, right used to play for home farm a great footballer both both feet you know he's a terrific footballer and he got trials when he was 12 he was trialed for united and arsenal yeah. and all this he actually tried with ronnie ronnie Delaney, Whelan. ronnie Whelan. ronnie Whelan, yeah but anyway um when he went over he couldn't you know he was only 13 or 14 at the time he couldn't hack living over there you know yeah. polishing boots and living in digs yeah. and all that he was really lonely was you know he came from he had six brothers so he came from a big you know he was the youngest and all. anyway he started kind of coming back when he'd be on his break from over, over in England he'd come back here and he'd get flagons and you know he'd be drinking yeah. the soda and he'd rob a car and all that and so the years that he should have been really knuckling down yeah those couple of years because he was fantastic he didn't and that's he kind of lost it you know because yeah. of that and i did the same thing almost right. if you know what i mean yeah but the now to to go forward to um getting back with the band yeah how'd that happen and um, they, re they realized obviously they needed you well we kind of needed each other well really, you off you the know? gear did you get did yeah. you ever get clean yeah yeah and stay clean yeah yeah. And was that the, the, the going to Thailand or after? Yeah, going to Thailand was the thing. Now, when I came back from Thailand, I, I did use a couple of times after I came back. Yeah. But for some something kind of insidiously got into my system, sure. like by osmosis or something, while I was over there. I don't know what it was, but all the things that I learned over there when I came back, they, they said to us over there, you'll never be able to use comfortably again, you know. And right. that was true because when I came back, I don't know what it was, you know. Right. It was all, you know. It's just you're just seeing the futility of it, you know. Yes. So I don't know. It just became more real. The futility before the futility didn't matter, you know. Even though I knew I was killing myself, I didn't give a shit, you know what I yes. mean? Because it still felt better than what what I what I had before that, you know. Now, w when you got clean, yeah, was it hard to stay clean? Initially, and it is. Yeah, it still is. Right, and how much does the work help 
uh, and the disciplines required to be on the road to go to studio to make your album yeah well you see our band are all very clean lads you know what i mean yeah. they're good lads and you don't they're not in i mean we all went through our they all we all did the coke thing in the yeah. states and all and you know back in the 80s when coke was killed yeah. you know but you see you know what i think as well Eamon? we didn't have a hierarchy of drug addicts to look at you know the way we were the first in yes. Ireland to be doing this shit you yes. know what I mean there was nobody before us no. the only thing we I knew about Kojak that was the most, yes. that's all I knew about heroin do you know what I mean yes. so I remember going to a guy I used to call Hash Harpen over in Mount Pleasant Flats it was the Hells Angels right yeah. and I went in one day and I said to him um, I says have you any have you any uh, hash and he says no I have Skag here though oh Jesus now yeah. I says uh I said to myself, I said, what the fuck is Gag? Right? But I said, I'm not going to say to him what's Gag, he's going to say you fucking idiot. <laughs> so I said, yeah, give us a tenner's worth of that, right? So normally I'd get a lump of hash that size for a tenner, right? Yeah. He hands me a little bindle. Yeah. And I'm looking, that's all I'm getting for me tenner. Yeah. I said, that cunt's going to have to rip me off. I said, I'm going back to burn his bike. Yeah. You know, because he used to park his bike outside the gap. Anyway, I snorted at that, you know, yeah. out and done a bait that night. And uh, that, again, that was that was the first one. So the point I'm making is, we are so always innocent. I didn't have any clue what I was really getting yeah. into at the time. You know, now I think if I was born today, if I was 15 or 20, 25 today, looking at the state of this country with drugs, I'd sure. have it more educated, kind of. I think maybe I, I don't know, but the, I'd like to think the career you have now and the state the status you have in Ireland is respect from people yeah. admiration for you as a person uh, f and for uh, the music and for your endurance now you said before to me that you'd have been a better songwriter if you mm. hadn't have been for mm. the stuff you'd have made better music back uh, then back then but not now no and yeah. um, and and that's what I want to yeah. all so those scars Eamon are there you know yes I do and they yeah. come out in the music today yes so haven't you see I'm, I, I do try to be careful about this because I, I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't regret going through all that mm. because I don't want to encourage some kids coming up behind me to go oh, I'm going to do heroin for three years no, no, and be yeah. killed you know what yeah, I mean yeah. it's bullshit because yeah. everybody I did it with are dead now yes. they're all in jail or they're dead they have HIV and all those things yeah. so it's a very dodgy so I'm always very dodgy about that you know you know I do I, I, I'm the education you gave me is invaluable do you know what I mean yes and you know I, I think it's it, you know it subsequently made me probably a better singer yeah I, and the I, price I, is very high yes but the the, I mean I saw you singing with Finbar here I saw you just with Aslan on the Late Late Show and I just think as a musician that you're getting better and that you're um does it where do you see your career going now i mean for you i know you're making an album with Finbar. yeah um and uh it's the the ability to interpret a song to yeah. feel pain to express pain i mean that right. greenfields of france yeah song that you sang yeah. where do you want to go or do you want to make more rock and roll I don't, I, you know, the way I, the way I kind of try and view it now is, I, I'm a huge Ray Charles fan. He's my yeah. favorite singer of yeah. all time, right? Yeah. 
So I seen him being interviewed one day and he was saying, he said, what kind of music, you know, you've done so many different genres of music. What what was your favorite? Was it blues? Yeah. Was it soul? Was it rock and roll? And he says, well, he says, I've only ever really come across two types of music in my life. He says, good music and shit music. Right. He <laughs> says, and I like doing good music, you know, and I'd kind of like to buy into that one, you know. And when you're gigging now, you, you're, you're touring at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. With Aslan, yeah. around the country? Yeah, all over, yeah. And you have a website, I take it, uh, with your dates? They do, yeah. They do it, yeah. But it's yeah. there. If yeah. anyone oh, yeah, wants sorry, to see yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the legends, yeah. see, <laughs> or I'm one of the icons, I know the word legend is overused. Junkers calling me a legend, a legend walking down the street. That's the end of the legend word. <laughs> uh, but no, the iconic figure that you are now for having survived stuff. Right. Um, the, the, I just wonder um, where you want to take it. You know, or do you think about that? Now? I don't think about it. Like to me, it's just about you know. I'm just really for the first time in my life, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. Do yeah, you know what I mean. And <coughs> you know, without trying to be you know big headed or that, I know. Like I studied singing for 15 years. I studied a thing called bel canto, yeah, which is um, it's what Pavarotti and all yes. sings. You know, it's this, you know. So I like even throughout, even when. Why I, did you do that? Uh, there's a, a place in North Great Georgia Street. North Great Georgia Street. Yeah, North Great yeah. Georgia Street, just off Parnell Street there. A guy called Frank Merriman. Right. So I went into him, you know, I, I was kind of been with Aslan, you know, before Aslan, doing a lot of punk stuff, you yes. know. So I was actually kind of ruining my voice, you know, right. from singing all, yeah, God, the queen, yeah. all that shit, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> then I went, I started not being able to sing, and there's nothing worse for a singer than starting to lose notes off the top of your voice yeah, you know yeah. where you can't yeah. sing top notes and stuff so I went into this guy Frank Merriman and he was a, 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 an advocate of, of bel canto so he was into all the same singers that my dad used to right. play to me when I was a kid you know all these, these Geely and Caruso and all these people so he was teaching a style of music and you know he said to me one day when I went in you know, what happens to singers, this is what happens to singers, Eamon, right? and for any young aspiring singer out there, yeah. this is what I'd say to you, right? When you're going through your life, right, in my case, right, so you can adapt this principle to you, right? I liked the way David Bowie said, window, chimney, and door, right? Yeah. I liked the way uh, Paul McCartney said, heater, book, and floor. Yeah. I liked the way David Bowie said, computer, bottle and pe so you build up a vocabulary of other people's idioms yes. right so then you hear a singer singing and they're from fingers i see it all the time and going, yeah. i was going down there and they're singing in this american fucking draw yeah. and i think man you're from fingers wake up buddy yes. you know yes so so what frank taught me so was the authenticity which is the word that i associate is the word that i associate you um because i was thinking about it the last couple of days now and i was going to interview this guy is authentic. He's the real thing. Right. Well, that's a, the greatest compliment you could pay me. Well, because yeah, what, 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 what? But to go back to what you were saying, there, there's an authenticity necessary to yeah. do your best stuff. Yeah. So don't try and be from Memphis if you're from 
That's fingers. it. You know, or it's, if you're from uh, anywhere, the other fellow from Ballymun. If you, yeah, no, but if you <laughs> try to be Elvis, equally if you're from Killiney, don't yeah. try to be from Finglas. You right. know, yeah, yeah. they do that as well. Yeah. So what you do is you strip away them mediums, get back to who you are, because you're the only thing to give to the world. You're the only thing that's new. And you see, all of those things I knew about singing, but because of the heroin, yeah. I wasn't being myself. So when I took the heroin away all of a sudden I could be myself again. Yeah, and now, so that sounds to me, Christy, like this is a, a, a work in progress. Absolutely, That yeah. you are now discovering yeah. as an artist Yes. things... I should have been doing this 20 years ago. Yeah, and and you look happy. I am happy, yeah. Without the stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even going on the Brendan O'Connor show. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out. No, don't cut it out. Fucking... <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, it, 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 it's been absolute joy to meet you. Sure, thank you. It was great meeting you. And to talk to you. I want to one, ask you one yeah. final question about survival yeah. and happiness. Uh, because we've all had, you know, stuff. Yeah. Are you happy? Absolutely. You yeah. look it. I am happy. You know, somebody said to me, I used to go to NA, right? So, yeah. if you have this thing in NA that if all Is of that us... like AA? Yeah, it's exactly There's a lot, lot of screwing goes on there. They need some... Yeah, on, anyway. yeah. That's called 13 step. And, you're not, you're not <laughs> Is it? <laughs> you're not supposed... You're under 12 steps. That's the 13 step. Is it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I knew a few went there. But anyway... They were good people. They say if everybody... Like, if we all put our problems... You put your problems in a bag. You put your problems in a bag. And I put my problems in a bag, right? And we all went to a meeting. And we could swap. You know, yeah. I could swap with you. When I hear your problems and your problem, and I say, "Here, take me fucking on," and now I hear, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, Everyone everybody has, has their shit, yeah. you know. And because of the probably the shit that happened to me as a child, I couldn't deal with a lot of the shit that perhaps you know, yeah, everybody else deals with on a normal daily basis. And now I just, you know, I'm I'm happy where I'm at today, you know. Except for the cancer, I'm not really happy about that. I didn't, I didn't ask you about the cancer, and I yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, I have my own thing, which right. is over, thank God. Yeah. Um, so, no, there's no cure for the yoke you have, it's a bastard, you know. So, you're constantly having to be, treat to be yeah. treated? Yeah, so I do, I do a treatment. Which cancer is it? It's called amyloidosis and multiple, I've two, if amyloidosis is one, it's one Martin McGuinness died of. Yes, in oh the, my in, God. In, in yeah. the north. Yeah. So, amyloidosis and multiple myeloma, that's the other one I have. They're the kind of blood-borne cancers. So... <laughs> Basically, when I got diagnosed five years ago, I did chemo. I held held the thing at bay for about three years. So then I did chemo last year. I held it at bay for a year. Then I did, and I held it for six months. So each time I did it, it's holding at bay for a shorter time. Right. So the thing I've been using is a thing called Velcade, the chemotherapy. So because my cells now are starting to go, we know this. So and they find a way of walking yeah, around yeah. it. So they're trying on this you new know, thalidomide. Do you remember thalidomide? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're trying me on a thalidomide drug at the moment. Right. That's where I'm at now at this particular moment. And you wouldn't be in remission? You have to keep... It's not remission. No, no. it's not remission. Because you, you have to keep on top getting it. On I'm involved every two weeks giving blood. Right. The blood is sent over to the Royal Free in London because th that's yes. it, that's in the centre of excellence for this particular condition. Okay. So <laughs> they, and they, come, they, they send me over a result every two weeks. So then the, the bone, uh, 
I have to do this thing called a SAP scan over there. They don't have yes. one over here. I go over there every couple of months and do that. So then they'll ring my consultant here in Bowman and say, right, what we need to do is we need to get him on this. Right. And then they treat me accordingly, you know. Now, my heart attacked me hard, attacks your organs, this thing. So my heart works at about two thirds of its capacity. Now yes. a third of it is completely knocked out with a fibrillator in my chest there. Right. So when I was walking up downstairs and I had a bleeding yeah. heart attack, <laughs> and I was looking at you, an old man in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christy well, uh, Dignam, uh, it's been a, a joy as I expected it to be to meet you. Cheers, you too. Thank you very much. And Cheers. live forever, baby. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Uh, gentlemen, thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.